good morning and happy new year to you. Um, happy new year. Thank you. You know, I'm excited about a new year ahead. Uh, new year's about new beginnings and it just seemed like a lot happened last year to me, right? I don't know if it happened to you, but it seems like so much happened and it happened really fast, but uh, new year, new beginning. And so I thought it'd be an appropriate time to begin a new series in the uh, New Testament book of Mark. Now, if you have known me for a long time or years, you know I like going through books. Um, I love going through books of the Bible. I spent two years one time going through Revelation. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's very, very important. Um, Every now and then we'll do that. I like going through series as well and, and topical sermon series Uh, But I think it's important that we spend some time going through books because you don't need to hear from me. Um, You need to hear from God. We need to hear from God. And so when you take a book at a time, you really hear what God has to say. And sometimes that's different than than just going through a topical sermon. But uh, why series on on Mark? Why did I choose this? Well, we have many resolutions uh, that we make this time. But I would like us to look more like Christ. Um, I would like our church, all of us, to look more like Jesus. And looking at a book like Mark, each and every week will hold an image of Jesus in front of us. Isn't that good? Um, An image for us to look at, an image for us to try to conform to. And Mark gives us answers to so many important questions. Who is Jesus? Why did Jesus come? What, what does it mean to give my life to Jesus? What does it mean to follow Jesus, right? Mark gives us the answers to those important questions. And before we get in, I just have to give you a brief background of Mark. Uh, it's the Gospel of Mark, and that is the title of his book. And it is a book. It's not a letter. It's a, it's a biography written about Jesus. And Mark was not one of the original disciples, uh, that is a very popular theory. You know, if, if you were to ask somebody uh, who were the 12 disciples, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, right? You would start off like that, right? Because that's the way the New Testament starts. But Mark was not one of the disciples. He would later become a companion of Peter. And so a lot of Mark, actually all of Mark, is Peter's eyewitness account of Jesus. So it's very interesting the way it's, it's composed. Now, Mark is the first gospel written. All right, I know that's sort of confusing because you open your New Testament and you see Matthew. But Mark is the first gospel written, okay, A.D. 55. All right, so if Jesus was 33, you were looking at 20 years. 20 years went by like a flash for me, right? It seems like it was yesterday. 20 years after the death in resurrection of Jesus, Mark had written this. That's pretty amazing. So this is so important because this is the first account of Jesus mentioned anywhere written down. And so we're going to go through that together. It's fast-paced. It's filled with action. It's the shortest gospel. That's why it's my favorite, right? You really can't get bored reading through Mark. It's a series of short stories, and it's in chronological order. And you can read all these short stories uh, very quickly. 41 times Mark used the word immediately. 
So he sort of keeps your attention by dragging you on to the next scene. And the stories are, and teachings are very short, and they get right to the point. There, there isn't a whole lot of extra stuff with Mark. He just gets right into it. And he moves very quickly through the ministry of Jesus, and then he gets to the final week. It's like Mark has a goal in mind. He wants to tell you about the Passion Week so bad So he moves really, really fast to get there, and then he spends 25% of his gospel on the Passion Week. That's very, very interesting to me. That is what he wants us to keep our focus on, and that's what he's trying to get to. Um, Mark's audience was Roman Christians, and uh, you know that's very interesting as well. I think we have a lot in common with Rome um, in that they're non-Jew, right? Uh, But also, Rome was a great empire. And, and they really didn't know much beyond their own greatness. And I look at us in America, and we've been truly blessed, and we are a superpower in the world. And, uh, you know, we don't know very much beyond our own greatness. And so something like Mark, uh, though it was written to Roman Christians, we will find a lot in common with that as well. Why did Mark do that? Well, he wanted to make sure that everyone had access to information about Jesus. He wanted to make sure that everyone had a chance to hear the good news, and I'm glad he did it. You know, I'm glad he he did that. And this will be a very interesting series, but it's going to be very challenging. I know Ruth was was sort of uplifting and encouraging, and, and, and I loved going through that. Mark will be like that too, but it's going to be very, very challenging because we're taking an up-close and personal look at the identity, the life, and the ministry of Jesus. So look, I hope it does encourage you. I'm sure it will. But I also hope that it chisels you. I hope it shapes you. I hope it molds you uh, to look more like Jesus. That is my hope. So as we begin to look at the Gospel of Mark, in the very first chapter, what I want to do with this first chapter here is sort of take a Uh, bird's eye view of this and go through what Mark's trying to tell us in the first chapter. Mark gives us the thesis for his whole book here in the first chapter. And he answers two very important questions for us right from the beginning. Who is Jesus and what did he come to do? Mark answers those two questions for us. So Mark 1.1, if you have your Bibles with you. Mark 1.1, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. So right from the start, this is where Mark starts his gospel. Not in a manger or anything like that. But here, Mark gets right to the point, there's no guessing who Jesus is. You don't have to read into chapter 2, 3, 4, 5 to learn about Jesus, to figure out who he is. There's no reading deep into the book. He said, this is the beginning of the good news and it's about who? It's all about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Now think about the original audience. Uh, Jesus here is a very important name. It means the Lord saves. Uh, Roman Christians, they were facing heavy, heavy, heavy persecution during this time. And so Jesus is a name that literally could bring salvation to somebody's life. And Messiah means the chosen one of God or the anointed one. And when we see that word, I want you to think about king. When you see the word Messiah, think about the word king. Much of the persecution was at the hand of Roman emperors. 
So Mark is bringing somebody else in here that says there's salvation in this guy's name. He is the king. He is the son of God. And Mark expresses the deity of Jesus. Look, more than just a man, more than just a good person, more than just a good teacher, more than just a guy who did some amazing things, but he is the son of God. Romans believe that emperors were deity. They worshipped their emperors like they were gods. Actually, Roman emperors were considered to be sons of God. Mark makes it pretty clear that Jesus isn't just a son, but he is what? The son. We've got to pay attention to pronouns, even in God's word. He's not a son of God. He is the son of God. He's not one of many, but he is the one. You see, Mark's making it pretty clear. He's dialing it down and placing Jesus on a very high pedestal here. He wanted to start off by emphasizing who Jesus is, but Mark just doesn't want us to take his word for it. He introduces us to a guy named John the Baptist, and John was a relative of Jesus, and he was handpicked by God to announce the coming of Jesus and to prepare the way for Jesus's ministry. Now, John got his name because of what he did, not because of what church he belonged to, right? Uh, he, he baptized people. He preached repentance, and he, he baptized people. He was looking at the people and, said, and was thinking, you know, what you all are doing isn't working, right? You sort of strayed from where God wants you to be. You need to repent and come back to God. And look, despite what we've learned in Sunday schools and children's church and stuff like that John wasn't a crazy guy okay he wasn't a wild guy he just dressed a little different and had a different diet but he was extremely popular extremely smart he he was a very well-known and highly 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 respected guy and and as as a matter of fact we learned that the whole Judean countryside was coming out to hear him and to be baptized by him right so John sort of had his own following and experienced tremendous success what what would he say about Jesus verse 7 Mark 1 verse 7 and this was his message after me comes the you see the one not a one but the one more powerful than I the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So John was telling everybody here that Jesus was greater than he was. At the peak of his ministry, things were going well for John, experiencing tremendous success. And John said, look, I'm just the appetizer here. And Jesus is the main course. He, he said he wasn't even worthy to touch his shoes. And that work that Jesus would do would be far greater than the work that he was doing. John knew that Jesus was somebody special. He knew that he was someone sent from God, someone with the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, as successful and as popular as John was, he realized that his purpose wasn't to make a name for himself. But it was to point others to Jesus. His purpose was to announce the coming of the king. And so as John was preaching and baptizing many people, he had the amazing privilege of baptizing Jesus. I'm thinking through that, I'm just thinking, wow. You know, to be able to baptize Jesus, man, that's truly remarkable. Which brings me to this, this is just a side note. Um, 
if you've never been baptized, I would encourage you to do that. Um, we don't just teach it uh, for no reason. You know, it represents something, but also Jesus did it in his own life before he began his ministry. And he was really giving us an example to follow. And so when we see that and, and you say, oh, well, I want to fo- follow Jesus, when you look at what he did, you know, you need to step into that and you need to do that. Verse 10, just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. So after Jesus was baptized, God looked upon Jesus and confirmed in front of everyone there that you are my son. Can you imagine being there and seeing Jesus get baptized? And the clouds and the heavens rip open and all of a sudden you hear this voice and you hear, this is my son. And it says the spirit here, the third person of the Trinity came down from heaven and commissioned Jesus for the work that he was about to do. So what, what is Mark telling us here? We have Mark beginning in verse 1 saying who Jesus is. We have John the Baptist saying who Jesus is. And now we have God the Father acknowledging who Jesus is right here in the very beginning. Which brings me to a very important question. Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? This is probably the most important question you will ever be asked. Who is he? Who, not who was he. Who is he to you right now? Right now. If we miss this, we miss everything. How you, how you treat someone is directly related to what you believe about them. How you react to someone depends on how you view them, right? Is he more than a man to you? Is he more than just a figure in a book? Is he more than just a good person? Is he your Lord? Is he your king? And if, if so, how does that play out in your life? If Jesus really is our Lord, if, if, if Jesus really is the Son of God, the Messiah, the King, if he really is our God, then we need to show that in our lives. You know what John the Baptist would later say? He must increase, I must decrease. I need, if Jesus really is this, then I need more of that in my life. I need more of him in my own life. He, if he is this, he needs to take precedence over my own ambitions, over my own personal interests. He needs to have significance in my life if he is this. Who is Jesus to you? We need to understand who Jesus is. The next important question that Mark answers for us in this very first chapter is what Jesus came to do. What did he come to do? Mark wants us to know who he is and what he came to do right from the beginning. And I want you to write this down. Jesus came to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. Jesus came to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. 
as soon as Jesus was baptized, commissioned by the Father and empowered by the Spirit, he got to work proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. Jesus came with a message to give. He came with a message to give people. Verse 14, after John was put in prison, and Mark really doesn't go into a whole lot of detail right here because in chapter 1, his emphasis is on Jesus. He doesn't give us a whole lot of information about John right here. He's just trying to say there's a time here where John the Baptist's ministry and Jesus' ministry is transitioning. John is sort of stepping back and Jesus is stepping in. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. And this is what Jesus said. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Now Jesus didn't waste any time. He picked up right where John left off. And he went into Galilee telling people that it was time. The time had come. Good news had arrived. There is, there, you're used to this type of kingdom. You're used to this type of government. There's a new kingdom coming. And the kingdom is very, very near. Why is that? Because the king was near. The king was there. He was in their presence. And, and notice what he told them to do. What did he tell them to do? Repent and believe the good news. Now, I want to stop right there for just a moment. Usually, churches do this at the end of of the service. But if you haven't done so, will you receive the good news of Jesus? Now. He's already said it. I'm just repeating it. He's already made the invitation. I'm just reminding you of it. If you haven't received the good news, if you haven't placed your faith in Jesus, nothing's stopping you from doing that right now, this, this very moment. You believe in who Jesus is. You place your faith in him. You give your life to him, and he saves you. It's very important that you understand this. The first thing that Jesus said to do was to repent and believe. Um. Before you try to do anything else, before you try to get on a checklist, before you try to get yourself better, you repent. That means stop what you're doing. Whatever it is, you stop. If you're trying to earn your way back to God, stop it. If you're in sin, you stop it. Whatever it is, you cease, you stop, you look to God and say, God save me. You place your faith in Jesus Christ. And Jesus brought the kingdom to you. I want you to see that. God brought the kingdom down from heaven and is extending the invitation to you. It's up to you to believe it. It's up to you to place your faith in it. So Jesus came to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God, but he he didn't just want to proclaim the good news by himself, you see. He invited others to join him. I want you to write this down. Jesus came to invite others to join in kingdom work. Jesus came to invite others to join in kingdom work. Jesus' plan was never to be a solo mission. As he began his ministry, he, this is really amazing to me. He began to involve others in his work, in the work of the kingdom. Verse 16, 
As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. So picture this. These guys were fishing, standing on the shore, throwing nets, just fishing. And then Jesus comes up and says, follow me. And what does it say? At once, at once they left their nets and followed him. Let me think about that for a minute. Let me, let me call and make sure it's okay. There's no delay here at once. And it goes on, this, this isn't on the screen, but it goes on to mention James and John, two other brothers that were also fishing. And Jesus comes up to them and says, follow me. And at once they follow him. They even leave their dad in the boat. <laughs> like, later, Dad, see you. Wow. You know, if you read other gospel accounts, this isn't the first time that these guys see Jesus. Actually, Andrew brings his brother Peter to meet Jesus. So they've seen him and talked to him before. Um, they didn't know everything about Jesus, but they knew enough. They knew enough. And they, they believed in him enough to leave everything behind. When he said, follow me, they left. You know, most Christians never get there to that point. And these guys were just starting. It takes many, many of us a lifetime to even get to that point of acknowledging that Jesus is worth letting go of everything for and following completely. Wow. Jesus said, follow me. And then he says something very interesting here. I will send you out to fish for people. Fish for people, right? The prized catch was what? Not a marlin, right? Not the, not the eight-pound smallmouth, but people. Peep, the Lord is looking for fishermen who will go after people. You know, that tells me, you, us, that we are to proclaim the good news of Jesus to others. We are. Once we have received and believe the good news, once we have placed our faith in Jesus, we are to proclaim the good news to others. We are to tell others about Jesus. And that's, this is important because it means this. We are to think beyond ourselves. And I know for many of us, myself included, talking to others is hard, right? And, and really the disciples struggled with this later. Like they didn't want to go out to everybody, they're like, this people group? Why? Why? You know, when Jesus said, I want you to go out and fish for people, he didn't say which, where to, which ones. It means we are to intentionally share our faith in Jesus with others, whoever he brings in front of us. That's what Jesus came to do, and that's what he called his disciples to do. But there's more. There's more that Jesus came to do. He didn't just come to proclaim the kingdom. He didn't just come to talk about it. He came to show it. Third thing I want you to write down. Jesus came to show the kingdom to others. Jesus came to show the kingdom to others. He came to reveal his kingdom to people. To show them that it was real. And we can all relate to this, right? It's, it's one thing to hear something. It's another thing to see it. 
It's another thing to experience it. We've heard the cliche, you know, seeing is, is believing. Mark one twenty nine. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. So imagine this with me. They go into Peter's home. Peter is Simon there. And, and they find out that his mother-in-law is sick and in bed, and she's got a fever. Look, if you've got a fever then, it's deadly. You know, no medicine, no antibiotics, you know, no fever reducer. She was near death. And they immediately went and they told Jesus. And Jesus went to her. He touched her. He helped her up. He healed her. He made her better. And she just got up like nothing ever happened. Do you read that there? Like she just got up and started making them biscuits and gravy. I mean, like one, literally one minute she's in the bed near death. The next minute she's up moving around like nothing ever happened. That's what Jesus can do. What does the kingdom of God look like? Jesus, he's showing us. He's given us a glimpse of what it looks like. The kingdom of God is good. There's no pain. There's no suffering. There's no sickness. And Jesus is giving us a momentary glimpse of what the eternal kingdom looks like. Now listen to me. Mark is full of miracles. I don't know how you feel about miracles. But I believe in them. Okay? I always have, but as I've grown in my faith, as I've grown closer to the Lord, I believe more in them. I believe God still does miracles. I don't think it's a thing of the past. I think that God is the same today as he was then. If, if you struggle with miracles, and I, and I get it, there are a lot of Christians who do, Try to, and, I, and I, don't, I don't think it's, you know, you're trying to do anything intentionally. But I think unintentionally, we limit God. We try to put God inside of a box, and we cannot do that. We cannot do that. You see, God is God, and we are not. Mark is full of miracles, and you will be challenged, some of you. I always have been. Many of you will be encouraged Many of you will get excited. Many of you, this will ignite your faith in God again to do amazing things in your life. Mark records more miracles of Jesus than sermons of Jesus. What do you think God's trying to show us here? There there are more miracles of Jesus in Mark than any other gospel. So Jesus began his ministry by doing a whole bunch of miracles. And there's a whole bunch right here in the beginning of Mark. Not only to show his power, but I want you to understand this. Jesus is giving us a glimpse of his kingdom. A glimpse of it. Mark 1.32. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. Look, people were bringing, after this, after Peter's mother-in-law, they're at the same house. 
Word got out that Jesus could do this. People were bringing the sick and people believed to be possessed by demons. Look, this is not fairy tale. We have an enemy. There is evil in this world. There is an enemy against our lives. There is an enemy against our Lord. He is active and moving and searching. And Peter, remember now, Peter is, these are really the ideas and thoughts and, and um, memories of Peter here written by Mark. Peter said that the enemy is like a lion seeking whom he may devour. There's a real enemy. Actually, before, before they went to Peter's house, we didn't read that, but if you read Mark, you can see it. Jesus cleansed a man of a demon inside the synagogue. Cleansed him. You know what he did? Told him to be quiet and come out. Right? No three or four day or week long prayer. No exorcism. Jesus said, be quiet, come out. And the demon had to obey. Three times in chapter one, Jesus cast out demons. One time in chapter one, Jesus encounters Satan in the wilderness for 40 days and conquers him. Mark is telling us, and we have to believe this, it all starts with who you think Jesus is. We have to believe that Jesus has the power over the enemy. That Jesus has the power over evil. That Jesus conquers evil. That evil cannot be in the presence of our king. In his kingdom, guess what? Evil does not exist. That is what Jesus is showing us. Jesus was showing that to people. Verse 33. The whole town gathered at the door. What do you think Peter's mother-in-law is thinking right now? Oh, Lord, i got to get some food ready, <laughs> right? Got to bake some biscuits, right? Get some refreshments going. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many. Jesus can heal, folks. He can he held many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons. What's he doing here? And people were noticing Jesus. They were believing that he could heal them, that he could help them, that he could change their lives and make them better. What do you believe? Well, you're learning that Jesus, this is interesting. We are learning that Jesus is supremely powerful. He is sovereign. He is mighty. But you know what? He's also extremely loving and extremely caring about people. He cares about others. He's compassionate. And the beginning of Mark is telling us here that the beginning of the gospel shows us that a holy and powerful God is loving and he cares about the people of the world and so what are we to do? We are to show the kingdom to others. And Jesus came to do that, and we are to show the kingdom to others as well. You know, we are not just to be people of talk. 
We are to show the kingdom of God to others. You know, if Mark records more miracles of Jesus than sermons of Jesus, what is he saying? What is he saying? Talk's important, but show the kingdom. God is a God of action. We are to show the kingdom of others. What does that mean? How do we do that? Well, we we share the good news of Jesus with them, but we also show them the kingdom through love and kindness. Um, I've got a picture here I want to show you. And how many stayed up late last night to watch the Patriots lose? (laughs) You know, uh, so Tennessee Titans. Um, Derek Henry, many of you like him. This was uh, from last week. But I want to share this story with you before we close. He just won the NFL rushing title. He had a big game last night. Uh, But last week he, he won the NFL rushing title. And there's this girl... Her name's Dusty, her uh, Lorient, and she's a young girl, as you can see, but her father, John, has cancer there, and it's stage four, you know, so she loves her dad, knows that his quality of life isn't very well and probably doesn't have much time with him, which is extra tough considering it's the holidays and stuff like that, um, she put out something on either Twitter or Instagram. I, I can't remember. But anyway, she thought, wouldn't it be nice if we could meet Derek Henry? And somehow he got a hold of that. You know, he, he noticed that she had put that out there. And so he surprised them. He found out where they were seating, uh, sitting and went up to them and talked to them. And Derek Henry says this, it just touched me, hit this guy's story. I just had to meet him. I told him I was praying for him and it was great to meet him and that I wanted God to bless him. And he goes on to say this, I was happy that I was able to do that for them because I, and for her dad because I know she really wanted it. I was glad to be able to do that. And that's the mindset we need to have. It makes us happy to make others happy. It brings joy to our life to show joy to others, to bring joy to others' lives. It, it blesses us to bless others. It excites us to see others smile. And John, the guy that's got cancer, he, he was just ecstatic. He says this, you know what stood out to him the most? He said, he's praying for me, and I appreciate that. This is a dream come true. That was the highlight of his moment. Yeah, meeting Derrick Henry was cool and all that, but to hear that Derrick Henry was praying for him, this was one of the highlights of this life. Now look, his life is in God's hands. And God only knows how long he'll live. But for that moment... He got to experience joy because someone showed him he was important. You know what someone did? Someone gave him a glimpse of the kingdom of God. How can you give someone a glimpse of the kingdom in your life? How can you show the kingdom of God to others? You know, 2020 is about good vision, right? We hear all those jokes. 
I want us to have a good vision of Jesus this year. Who he is to us. And, and, and show him and show his love to others. You know, A.D., um, everything revolves around Jesus, the calendar and the years and everything like that, B.C. and A.D. Um, A.D. doesn't stand for after death. It stands for Anno Domini. It's Latin. And it means in the year of our Lord. And I just wonder this year, will this be the year of the Lord for you? Will, will this be the year that you see Jesus for who he is, that you make Jesus really big in your life, that you go all in for Jesus, and then you make Jesus available to others and you show his kingdom to others? That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Well, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, today I thank you. I thank you for your spirit and how your spirit, alongside reading your word, speaks to us and teaches us and encourages us and challenges us. Father, I thank you that we were able to see some amazing truths in this first chapter of Mark. Help us to see who you are, that you are the Son of God. That you are the King, that you are the Lord. Help us to not just believe that in our minds, but also in our hearts. To the point where it affects how we live. God, help us to show the kingdom to others. Help us to show love to others and see others as important. Help us to realize that you have called us to follow you, but to also obey you. And you told us that you will send us out to fish for people. So help us not to look at our own lives, but help us to be observant and open our eyes to others and to the needs around us and the opportunities that you've placed in front of us to show love and kindness and compassion, to show your kingdom to those around us because people need to see it. Father, we love you and we thank you. In Christ's name we pray.